Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher and church planter in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for his sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome back to Lose Yourself. Today's episode, we rejoin our conversation with Keith Radke, pastor of River Community Church in West Jordan, Utah, on the topic of discipleship. I'll speak very carefully because there's all kinds of different churches. I'm not here to talk about one or the other. Some people have large churches with mm-hmm. property and programs and stuff. Some people beating up garage. Yeah. I'm not here to, to pick or choose one or the other. I'm simply saying that those are supposed to serve the church. Mm-hmm. If the church is there, exists to serve those processes and those organizations, then they have to be rethought. Yeah. Because I've had to say many times, man, the church is fat and happy, but the bride is sick. Yeah. And the people inside, the soul is eternal. Everything that we build, everything we buy, everything we use will one day be in a dust pile. But the people that we interface with, the mm. people that we teach God's, you know, God's word is eternal, soul is eternal. Those should be the priority. Agreed. And I think that sometimes in the process of church, we miss that opportunity to have that mentor one-on-one mm-hmm. personal relational experience becomes impersonal because sometimes that's what the process is. I think that those are important for keep us legal and keep us working and the things happen to happen. But at the same time, we have to make sure that we're intentional about those personal relationships and bringing people in and giving them opportunities. What you just described, it's a beautiful way to bring people along. Mm. It's a beautiful way. I've seen that with a lot of pastor's kids. Like they went and made hospital visits with their dad or at certain ages, they're like, I hate that. Oh man, I had to go to the thing again. And then they get to be adults and they kind of go, man, that was kind of cool. Yeah. Just ask them eventually when they get a little maturity on them, they wouldn't change it. No, they wouldn't. And I wouldn't change it. You know, my dad did not feel the sense of calling to be a pastor, you know, like a full-time pastor of, of, of a church, but he pastored our family to the best of his ability. And that gave him credibility in the local church. He was a leader, you know, and in one church we were in, I remember he was an elder. And, you know, the qualifications of an elder, all these, you know, magnificent qualifications we put on elders now, one of the biggest things that stand out was able to lead their family well. Right. You know, govern their household well. If you're going to ask them to govern the family of God, how are they doing in the house? <laughs> Howard Hendricks had a quote, says, if it's not working at home, don't export it. Exactly. That's great. That's amazing. I was listening to um, Tom Rayner. He was talking about uh, with his son on the Church Answers. I think it's I think it's, Rayner, it's still Rayner on leadership. Yeah. But through Church Answers, him and his son were talking about accountability, like the one missing component of leadership, of Christian leadership. And, and they use the word accountability. And when the son was kind of t- Sam, that's it. Sam Rayner was yeah. kind of talking about, you know, well, you know, you know, dad, we provide some accountability as sons, right? They're all grown sons, are on ministry. And I'm trying to remember exactly how the banter was going, but it was, it was almost like at first it was kind of like, well, that's not accountability. But then Tom Rainer buckled down. Like he said, no, family is accountability. Family is, they know you. Right. And yes, yeah, sure, there may be a bias. You know, there, there may be a little bit of that. But those are the people who know you the most. Those are the people who see you on your bad days. They're the people who know what you struggle with in a way that even your best accountability partners that you choose for yourself may never get that close. And so if the family of God which we are, right? could just embrace maybe that aspect of, of discipleship, that we are a family. Right. God calls us his children. Right. We are sisters and brothers. We, are, we call the same father, right? Ephesians says that there is one hope and one faith and all these things, but then it says one God and father. Right. The description of father who is over all, through all, and in all. We're all in this together as his kids. 
And we could all say like John did, we're God's favorite, right? <laughs> I'm the one that Jesus loves. I'm the one that the father loves, you know? But if we can frame family and discipleship within the same view and say, Jesus is calling people into the family of God as the only begotten son of the father. He is saying, this is what it looks like to be a son. Absolutely. This is what it looks like to love the father. That I think that would change a lot of discipleship programs. Like, go ahead, keep your discipleship program. Yeah. But you, you nailed it. Let's take this from the inside out. What was God's heart from the very beginning that we'd be a part of his family? People will know the difference between an organization and a family. Yes. I'd be remiss if I didn't say the word family elicits different emotions Mm -hmm. from different people. Absolutely. For some people, it's an incredibly warm and wonderful feeling. And other people, it's the last place they want to be. Yeah. I do have, I want to express compassion for those who they think of a a trauma. But like, for example, my son's adopted from Taiwan. Which is just incredible. And and God bless you and your wife for for doing that. What a picture of the gospel. It is our joy. And that's what I was talking about. That's that's been an easy talking point. Because when we adopted him. He all of a sudden became my heir. Yes. Everything I have is now his. Yes. There is no second class citizen situation there. It is. He is my son. It's kind of like if someone becomes royal. And that's the mirror of the gospel where right. we are bankrupt. We're orphans of God. When we trust Christ, when we become, when we become Christians, we are adopted into his family. Not yeah. only is he forgiven us and cleansed us and made us right and made us his children. We're supposed to be a family. Yes. And we forget that we do a little clever. We get a little fancy. We get a little tractional and, and a lot of it in good intentions, because what we're trying to do is we're trying to reach out and we're mm-hmm. trying to reach out people in their love language, in their community, in their, right. in their heart language. I get that. But I'm saying you can be as fancy as, as I'll get out. You can be rich as I'll get out. Yeah. If there's not a family, if your church is not a family of faith, it's a hard sell. Yeah. But when there, when there's a family of faith there, that's going to love and adopt you in mm-hmm. and you're going to come together, you're going to grow together and you're going to support each other. And again, like you said, we know each other, we, mm-hmm. we support, we can call each other out. We can provide that accountability. That's right. It's hard to provide accountability to a stranger. It is. It feels like the principal's office. It is. But when you are a friend who just says, man, this is the last thing I want to say to you because I love you, mm-hmm. but I have to, that carries the weight and the gravitas that you can't manufacture. Yeah. And again, looking at the word real relationship, example, accountability, and leadership, it's all part of being in a family. It's all part of being in a community that where the premise is love, right? The premise is not in business and it has to be, it's not profit. It's people. God cares about people. And it's important that we don't lose sight of that. If we have lost sight of it, that we can recapture it. And again, I said this earlier, like we don't necessarily have to throw away all of our systems or our, pro- our processes. Absolutely not. Um, I, I remember at the three-year mark uh, of planting my first church, I was uh, 25 when we started church in North Carolina, and three years into it, like our church was doing okay. We, we were seeing people come to faith. We were seeing people getting baptized. We were seeing uh, you know, some growth, but there was a disconnect, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And, and the Lord really spoke to me. I was talking to a pastor about it, and he said, well, you need to read this book called Simple Church by Tom Rainer. Yeah. And I'm like, that's all I need is another book. Right. I need another, I need another three step or something like that. But what happened in this book, and the book starts off with some statistics about where the church is at with that issue uh, of discipleship. But he talked about that relational aspect and it really changed everything for me. And I began to see that a process, if done well, that is not what we exalt, right? That's not what, that's not, that's not the goal is to have a cool process. The goal is to see people engaged to see people involved in each other's lives and not just at Sunday school or children's church or youth group or Sunday service, you know, or midweek Bible study. It's when you find out from the doctor that you got cancer, yeah. 
what do you call? Like there's people in the church, they don't call anybody because they don't know who to. My wife and I, we had a meal recently with somebody and this lady told my wife, she said, the church that I've been going to, I know that if I die today, nobody would miss me. And my, I mean, we were just driving home from that conversation. We were just like on the edge of tears, like that's sad. And, and knowing of that church, I, I think they would be horrified at that. Not because they don't care, but because there's so much going on. There's so many systems and processes and programs and all those things that people actually get lost. And we're imperfect. There's no perfect church, right? No perfect if you church. find the perfect church, please leave it. You're going <laughs> to mess it up. Mess it up. Yeah, come to our, our church. <laughs> come to our church. We're messed up. <laughs> I heard somebody say this once, and I always remember this. is like, for those of you who don't believe in organized religion, if you look around, you'll find out that we don't either because we're right. not very organized, right? <laughs> That's right. And it, you know, it, it's funny. It's humorous. But in, in truth, like Jesus said that the Christians will be known by their love for one another, not known by this awesome exportable program that makes a healthy church or successful church. I think that this metaphor might break down, but you know, I came of an age where a lot of the parents were experiencing affluence for the first time. Mm. And I say affluence, I'm two generations after the great depression. So, Mm. I mean, you have people like, well, we're not dirt poor anymore. We can actually do things for our kids. And I was of an age where there was the term workaholic was introduced during my parents' generation. And you saw people gave their children things never once sat down with them. Right. It was a very, uh, and so the, again, the two words, the two T words, transactional versus transformational. Hmm. The important thing is for, for our relationship to not be too transactional. It needs to be more transformational Mm -hmm. because it can be too easy just to say, here, go to this program here, take this pill, read this book. When they just want someone to sit down with them and be real, like for example, know if they died. (laughs) Yeah. No, understand. And again, we talk about when we're becoming a family of faith, if you've ever had a child, who struggles in a certain area and you know, and they get a victory, man, no one is cheering louder than you. That's right. Because you knew what it took versus yeah. the stranger just kind of like, okay, so what, so what big deal? But when you are, have that cheer section hmm. to, to make those breakthroughs spiritually and personally and be able to move forward, people need that. And I, they'll take that over fancy stuff. Yes, they they'll will. take it over elaborate programs. I would be remiss. I, I want to make sure that I include that we owe a lot to people who write curriculum. Yes, we do. And, and knowledge is key. If you, yeah. Without knowledge of the Bible, this doesn't work. Well, we're, between church and my family, you know, we homeschool our children. I, I'm so thankful to people who write good curriculum. Right. And so we're <laughs> not, don't hear what we're not saying, folks. We are very grateful for that. As long as it does not become too mm-hmm. transactional, programmatic, then, you know, check the box. Yeah. You know, this isn't about earning merit badges. This is about growing in an authentic and beautiful spiritual faith. When you have, whenever you hear a parent who comes to the realization and I think has the humility to actually tell their kid, I'm proud of you, mm. they're usually not proud of their child because of the money they make or the education that they achieved. Th- those are not insignificant. They're proud because despite their parenting, <laughs> their children are showing the very best of the values that they tried to impart, you know, integrity, hard work ethic, you know, um, just, just not giving up perseverance. I mean, just all the, you just fill in the blank of all these things that is re- when we say that our kid is making us proud or when we've heard that where our, our mom or our dad said, I'm proud of you. You know, what, what goes behind that has nothing to do with the academics. It shouldn't. It has nothing to do with the successful career path. It's as a parent, we know I, I wasn't perfect. I, I did my best and maybe not always, maybe I didn't always do my best, but despite that, what I wanted for you was to have a good and better life. And I wanted you to exemplify these values. And, you know, there's that old song about cats in the cradle, cats, yeah, teams, yeah. right? Where the, the kid had just become like his dad and it was heartbreaking to him. You know, and I remember the first time I heard that was James Dobson, you know, yeah, years yeah. ago. And, and, um, and he was talking about, I remember, I remember my dad embracing that 
Like it wasn't about passing on some sort of a superficial success standard. But are you going to grow up and be a man of integrity? Are you going to grow up and be a man who loves his family? Are you going to be a man who follows God? This is something that we need to, people in discipleship need to hear this because this made, and parenting. When I was 20-ish, uh, about 20 years old, my dad and mom and, and siblings were still at home. We're in Southern California and I was in Virginia. And I was struggling. I was struggling with what I was going to do with my life at 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I had turned down military school. I decided not to pursue that path. That was a family path. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to be in the ministry. I was serving in um, volunteer pastoral ministry in our church, but I still didn't quite understand all that looked like. And I, f- I felt caught in this tension. What's the right thing to do? Should I go to college? Should I suck it up and go join the military? You know, should, should I do these things that are not, that I'm, I was trying to discount? And, and I, did, I couldn't put my finger on it. Like, what, what was it? And my dad calls me out of the blue while he's in traffic on the way home in, in Southern California. He says, hey, son, I really feel like I need to, to tell you this. And just keep in mind, my dad is, is my stepdad, you know, and uh, his parents came from Mexico, so he's Hispanic. And there was already an immediate family oh, dynamic yeah. there of being, uh, you know, multi-ethnic in our home. My mom is Midwestern, German-descended, and my, my father is Southern California, you know, Mexican-American. And um, cool family dynamic. Growing up in Hawaii. Right. Okay. So so there's all of these things that I'm, I'm dealing with in my mind as a 20-year-old. My dad called and says, I really need to tell you that whatever you do, as long as you are doing what you believe God is calling you to do, I support you 100%, and I'm proud of you. And like, I, I wasn't even at a place right there where I, I knew what that even looked like. Right. But he set the bar. He did. And had I heard that from him before in different ways, yes. But he felt like just, and I really believe it was a God moment. Like the, the, the Lord spoke to him to call me and to say that. He freed you. And at 20 years old, I was set free. Now, I still have gone back and forth sometimes. Of course. You know, but what has never left me, and I just want to say thank you, Dad. Um, I will share this with you. His standard for me and what he was proud of, and I think as followers of Christ, when we're discipling somebody else, the standard we can set is, are you doing what God has made you to do? Are you following his purpose for your life? We're out of time, but we'll pick up this conversation on our next episode. This has been Lose Yourself. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a ministry of Grace Church and Mike Cunningham and a production of Key Radio.